0: Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. I wanna welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an offsite campus or on the internet. Especially wanna give a shout out to Darren Patrick and his family at their little seacoast, St. Louis, gathered around a television and there's a foot of snow outside. Uh, we're so happy for you guys. Um, yeah, it's 65 degrees here, but a little chilly, but we're doing all right. So we start every year off with a 21-day fast. We don't tell you what to fast. You fast wherever you want to. What are you fasting? I'm fasting hair, okay? (laughs) See, on some of you, when God looks down on you, all he sees is hair. When he looks down on me, he sees his reflection. And so, oh well. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) We'll start over. Hello, how are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm so excited to uh, be able to, to share with you this weekend. We're continuing a series called Unwritten. How many of you have ever had an opportunity to do something? Maybe it was uh, make an investment, um, you know, say something that would have made a difference in somebody's life, or just step up and, and do something that Really would have been pretty cool. And you hesitated, and in the hesitation, you lost the moment. Anybody ever done that? You, you had good intentions, but you hesitated, and it was gone. There's a saying that says, he who hesitates is what? Lost, yeah. And so we're in a series called Unwritten. Basically, the theme of it is, is that your story for 2019, rest of your life, is unwritten. I love first of the year. Because there's an anticipation, you know, there's what what can we do, what what can I do, what's what's this year gonna be like? Last weekend, Josh uh, taught us that God needs to be the author of our story, and that we've gotta put down the pen, we've gotta embrace the people around us and and live in the moment. And what I wanna do is today I wanna challenge you to be the kind of person that decides in advance how you're gonna do the right thing. Because, Because here's the deal. Hesitation will kill you. Hesitation will lose opportunity. But the the way around hesitation is to decide in advance before the heat of the moment, before the craziness, that says, here's how I'm gonna respond in that situation. And we won't miss the moments that God has for us. Sound fair enough? So that's kind of uh, the direction that we're headed uh, this morning, uh, whether it's helping those in need or just stepping into a moment of destiny, I want us to learn to write hesitation out of our story. How many of you would like to have a year of no regrets? Anybody? Year of no regrets. We're not gonna regret uh, decisions or whatever this year. Here's where we wanna go. Jesus tells a story. It's a true story. Actually, Jesus doesn't tell it. Somebody tells it about Jesus, so it's not a parable. It's something that happened. And Jesus has an encounter in Luke chapter 17 with 10 Uh, lepers, and just to kind of put it in today's context, these are 10 homeless guys, okay? They have a disease, nobody wants to be around them, they're ostracized, quarantined outside the city, they're homeless, and Jesus has an encounter with them. I wanna look at that story, I wanna learn some things about planning in advance uh, to rule out hesitation uh, in our life as, as moments come, all right? So here we go, let's look at it. Luke 17 and verse 11. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So Jesus is on his way, having been to Israel, you kind of see it. When you read the Bible, you read it differently. It's kind of in 3D, you see where he's at. He's on his way to Jerusalem from the Sea of Galilee, the area where he spent most of his time. And what's unique about this trip is it's his last one, okay? I think he knows that. He's gonna go, he's gonna be crucified. So, so he's gone back and forth to Jerusalem several times, but this is his last one. So he's, he's walking with purpose. Have you, ever, have you ever been on your way to something and you knew you had to get there and it was important that, that everything's right, and so you almost don't notice the things around you? Have you ever, ever noticed that? Maybe if you're married, your, your wife or husband says, you know, we do have kids, you know, th- th- these people belong to us. And you're so focused that you almost don't even know what's going on. Jesus could have been that way. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men, these 10 homeless guys who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance because they had to, that was part of the law. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I wanna start there, and what I wanna do, I wanna give you three things. Three ways to write hesitation out of your story. We're gonna look at Jesus, his story, and kinda how it worked there. And here's the first principle that we learned from Jesus in this, and that's this. Never resist a generous impulse. Decide in advance right now that this year, I'm not gonna resist a generous impulse. You ever had one of those? You have an impulse that, you know, I'm I'm gonna give, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna loan, whatever it happens to be and then you hesitate, and it goes away. Look what Jesus did, okay? So when he saw them, he could remember, he's on a mission, but it says he heard something. He looked, and when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. We'll get that last part in a few minutes. I'll tell you what that means. But he saw. He didn't hesitate. He didn't look away. He said, I can do something here. It didn't have to do with money. It wasn't a generous money impulse. It was a generous talent impulse. I have the ability. I have talent that they need. I can do something, and and he did. He stepped into it. Have you ever hesitated or looked away when you saw a need? How many times have we walked past a homeless person? They had a cardboard sign and calling out, asking for help. And and we just kind of look away. I did. I, I did this. I did this very recently. I was downtown Charleston, and I was uh, in, in some meetings down there. And I was going from one place to another in a limited amount of time uh, to be there. And so I'm walking along, and this homeless guy, you know, was kind of rattling a cup and got a little card. And and I looked, and then I thought, you know what? I don't have. Any, I don't have any money, because I I'm one of these crazy guys. I don't carry money with me normally. I have. A debit card and a credit card, and that's it. And besides that, if I did have money, this is my thinking, generous impulse, but I hesitate. My thought is, well, he would probably just take it and do what? Spend it on drugs or alcohol, right? You ever had that thought? Let's just be honest. So so I read about C.S. Lewis. He's a great Christian theologian. He wrote Narnia and Mere Christianity. And he was on his way to his small group called Inklings. Now his small group's different than yours in that J.R. Tolkien was one of the guys in his small group. Uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, a bunch of guys like that. And they would get together, authors, and, and so, um, so he's on his way to his small group, one of his friends is with him, and uh, there, there's a homeless guy, a beggar on the street, whole nine yards, and so C.S. Lewis drops some money into his cup, and his friend made the, the objection, Won't he just spend it on drink? To which Lewis answered, yes, but if I kept it, that's what I was gonna do with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little close to home for some of you, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Generous impulses usually come in one or more of these three forms. It's either a generous use of your time, in other words, there's an impulse, I should volunteer, I should do something, I should get involved, A generous use of your talent. I have talent that could be helpful to this person or this organization or whatever it is, and you have this this impulse. Or most often, it's a generous use of your money. Just like the guy, you know, the homeless guy all the way up to, you know, uh, giving to a charitable organization or church or whatever it happens to be. So how can you write hesitation out of your story when you feel a generous impulse? How can you do that? Let me give you some ideas. First, pay attention to what's going on around you. That's what we can learn from Jesus. Jesus is on a mission. It's important what he's doing. Somebody calls, he looks, here's the need. And there's a generous impulse. Now, not every need. Jesus didn't heal every leper he ever came in contact with. Okay, gotta understand that. But there was a, there was a generous impulse. There was, you can do something. Your, your talent can do it. So what about you? Do you see? Do you see? I challenge you to do this. Every morning, pray and say, God, use me. If you will do that, God will wear you out. (laughs) If you don't pray, God, use me, you'll never see a need around you, and they're everywhere. So the first idea is pay attention. Here's the second one. Put in your mind God's promises to generous people. Did you know that the Bible is full of promises to generous people? Here's why I think it is. It's kind of the... It's kind of the prize, it's kind of the, it's, it's the lure. God wants you to be like him, he is a generous God. And so he, he gives perks for generosity. There are internal perks and there are external perks. When you act on a generous impulse, good things happen. Now there are all kind of promises toward generosity. In the Bible they're basically in two categories. Being generous toward God first, and I'll show you that, uh, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse six says, remember this, Whenever it says, remember this, you'll probably forget it. Okay, that's why it says it. So it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's kind of a, you know, a sowing and reaping kind of a thing. Then he says, each of you should give. Now, this is toward God, and, and it's reflected through the church. When you come, you give at the church, you're giving to God and God's mission around the world. And he says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart. That's deciding in advance, okay? You, you plan, you make a plan, you decide in advance, not reluctantly or under compulsion, no hand wringing, no arm twisting, okay? That's what I like about this church, that's what I like about you guys. I mean, we've just, we, we've just about completed, not quite completed, but we've just about completed a, a, a kind of a, a giving thrust called Imagine toward building a new building next door. And there, there hasn't been any arm twisting, that's not what we do. We say, decide in advance, go pray. You know, you've heard me say that several times. Go pray, and we're not taking an offering today, so kind of relax, breathe out. (laughs) I'm giving you congratulations right now, is what I'm doing. You guys are generous, most of you are generous. And what you do is you just pray, you decide in advance, and you do it. But here's what's interesting, is that uh, tagged onto the end of this is a promise. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So when you give to the church, actually to God through the church, you need to claim a promise. It says, God, I'm given to you. Thank you that you're able to bless in all ways so that at all times I'll have all that I need so that I can abound in every good work, so that I can respond to generous impulses. Here's another one. Proverbs 3 and verse 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will be filled over for How many of you have a barn right now? I do, my dad lives in it. It's full, okay, it's got all kind of <laughs> junk in it. <laughs> and your vats will brim over with new wine. The point is, when you give toward God, when you're generous to God, he promises some things and claims the promises of a generous giving. Now, most of the promises of generosity are toward the poor, okay? There's some that are toward God, but most of them are toward the poor. Take a look at these. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. What does it mean to be kind to the poor? It means that you follow a generous impulse, either with your time, talent, or treasure, and you're kind to the poor. You do something good. You advocate for. You give toward The poor. Says when you do that, you lend to the Lord and he will reward them for what they've done. There's a reward in being generous to the poor. Look at the next one, Proverbs 22, nine. The generous will themselves be blessed for why? For they share their food with the poor. When you follow a generous impulse with the poor, you yourself will be blessed, it says. Proverbs 28, verse 27 says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. Wow. Did you hear that? Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes, look away, will receive many curses. Uh, some of you, did, did any of you uh, this week see on uh, either social media or news or the paper uh, the opening of the West Ashley Dream Center Clinic? Anybody see that this week? Maybe you're able to be a part of it. It was, it was a cool thing, very cool thing. And, um, I want to say a yay God to the West Ashley team, to Chris Russo, and all of you who worked so hard uh, to opening that and being a part of it. It was so much fun. The mayor came out, and they're very excited about The city gave us some money. And what the, the, the Dream Clinic West Ashley is about is providing health care for those who aren't able. You know, it's one thing to sit around and whine about who has health care and who doesn't, hope the politicians do the right. It's another thing, do something about it. You understand what I'm saying? And, and what the, the Dream Clinic does is it does something about it. Those who don't have health care or those who are, you know, uh, I think it's 200% uh, over the poverty level and below can come and, and benefit from what's going on there. And, and, and what it, what's exciting about it is it's almost 10 years to the week after we were able to start the North Charleston uh, Dream Center Clinic. In fact, um, the North Charleston folks are, are the ones that kind of help put it together, and it, this was kind of fun. I was at the West Ashley one, and uh, that, that was their first night. They'll be doing it every Wednesday night to start with, free healthcare, and doctors and nurses uh, volunteering their time, and if you wanna volunteer, I'm sure there's a way to do it, I don't know how, but um, you can call our office or something, I don't know, but anyway, it can be done. That was spontaneous, could you tell? So, so, So those that were there to provide services for the poor, um, several of them came up to me and said, boy, I hope somebody comes, I hope we have people. And I thought, I remember dial back 10 years, North Charleston Dream Center, we wondered the same thing, okay, we're, if you build it, will they come? Uh, we currently serve over 6,000 patients per year at the North Charleston Dream Center. I said, yeah, go ahead, that's good, that's good. I said, you guys don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about it, people will come, and as they do, you'll be blessed. And you know what, as a church, one of the reasons that we do that is that we wanna care about what God cares about. It's too often we spend all of our resources on us, right? We wanna care about what God cares about, and honestly, we're a little selfish, we wanna be a place where God can bless, okay? And that's part of the the promises of generous people. So if 2019 is gonna be a better story for you, you've gotta own the generosity principles. A lot of us are making goals right now, and, and you make financial goals. Make a goal that you're gonna be more generous than you've ever been before. You know, it's, it's it's not just the church, we get excited, our church is generous. Or even the government, we talk about the government, and you know what, we have politicians in our church on both sides of the aisle, all the way from um, from local, all the way to the very national government, and uh, uh, sometimes they see different ways of serving the poor. They see it differently, and that's what they argue about. I know a lot of them, and I know that they're sincere about it, and I pray for them, and pray that they will, because I want our nation to be a place where God can bless as generously as this. But it's not just our nation, and it's not just our church, it's you and I. Very easy to go, you be generous, no. I wanna be generous, would you agree with that? That's where it begins. We can do a lot when we're generous by ourselves. So let me give you uh, some ideas on really how to, uh, how to be generous or how you can, uh, well that's a, that's a good verse but it's not really all that good because look at this. One gives freely yet grows all the richer, another withholds what he wants, should give and he suffers once. In, in other words, God doesn't reward stingy people. Here we go, the stingy are eager to get rich you know anybody like that? Don't point. And are unaware that poverty awaits them, okay? So we don't wanna, we don't wanna be that. Here's what we wanna do. Let me give you how, how you can um, uh, plan generosity uh, into, your, uh, into your whole deal and, and plan away hesitation. And that's plan in advance. Just make a plan how you're gonna respond when the need comes. Here's, here, here's well, we'll just start here. I don't know where I am. Let me, let me look here just a second. So here's, here's, here's what you can do. Here, here's how you make a plan. I'm gonna tell you how we're making a plan. Personally, we're talking about personally. Uh, uh, put, your, put your tithe on autopilot, okay? Autopilot. Uh, what is the tithe? That's giving to God uh, one-tenth of what we earn. Look at, look at what the Bible says. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God didn't say this about anything else. He says, test me. See if it's not true. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And so, what Debbie and I do, we have learned this principle a long, long time ago and have operated on it. And what we've always done is we, we've written our tithe check first. We write it to Seacoast because we want it to be the first check that we write when we get paid. Now, here's the problem. As I look back this year, I saw that we skipped a few times. We had to go back and go, whoop, 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 let's catch up there. And here's the main problem, and I'm just gonna be transparent about this because I know nobody else deals with this. There were times when I thought, ooh, let's hold this tithe a little bit because it's a little tight and I need this. Anybody else had that? Don't raise your hands. And so this year what we decided to do is is, uh, let's automate that thing. Let's automate generosity. So I went online, uh, came out of the 21st century, or into the 21st century, and said, I'm just gonna gonna automatically do that. That's a plan to be generous. And I wanna just say this to you. If you haven't gotten into this whole tithing thing, I challenge you to take the 90-day generosity challenge. And that just says this. I'm gonna test God. It says test God. I'm gonna test him for 90 days, three months, 90 days, and see if this isn't true. And so you... You, you, you give for 90 days, and you know what, after 90 days? If you find out this isn't true, we'll give you your money back, don't worry about it. We've only had one person, history of our church that's ever happened, I have testimonies over and over and over and over and over again about how people have learned generosity in that. If that's you, um, you can text 320 320 to generous, and we'll give you, we'll give you some uh, encouraging help in how to do that. So that's one way that you plan. Here's another way that you plan generosity, is create a fund to bless people. This is where it gets fun. And this is what we're doing, is we have um, a little bit of money taken out of our, uh, the, the payroll department does this, and, and puts it directly into a savings account, our own savings account. The reason why is because when it passes through my money, it tends, or my hands, it tends to go like this, And so it goes into a savings account, our own savings account. And this savings account is just, I titled it a blessing account. And it's so that we can bless people. Somebody needs a refrigerator, you know? Oh, hey, we've got some money saved up, we'll give you a refrigerator. Or you need a little bit of, we'll we'll do that. Because those things come along and what happens is, when they come along and you're not prepared for it, you hesitate and you miss a generous impulse. Does that make sense? And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And then third thing that I'm doing, I made a commitment this year. It's one of my com- commitments. Is I'm going to always carry pocket change. Okay. Now I I never do. In fact, I was going to do this illustration last night. I I left this on my dresser, so I had to borrow this from my wife, and but she hasn't gotten it back, so it's mine. But anyway, <laughs> because just like. Just like Jesus, I wanna be able to hear homeless people when it comes or whatever, and not everyone will I respond to, but when there is a generous impulse, I don't wanna say, well, I would have liked to, but I I didn't have the resources to be generous. Just practical stuff on how you can plan in advance to be generous, all right? So that kind of leads to the, uh, well, some people will say, man, it would be great to be generous, but we don't, we, we can't even meet our own needs. And you know what, there, there are times in our lives when we're like that, I would say that's the best time to be generous and learn generosity. You know when we learn generosity? Is when we didn't have anything. We're in Northern Illinois, we had four kids, five of us were on uh, uh, government assistance, I was the only one that wasn't, because they wouldn't let me on. It was women, infant, and children, Debbie and our four children, they'd back up a truck every week, we'd get food, resources, and all of that. And we couldn't make ends meet, and we couldn't be generous, And we thought, you know what? We wanna be generous and we wanna make ends meet. We're not gonna wait until it happens. And so we we started doing an envelope system. This was way before Dave Ramsey. I wish I would've patented it and gone on the television and been really rich now from people taking my course. But um, we we got little envelopes and we'd cash our check every week. And we put a little bit, you know, this is for tithe, this is for food, this is for clothing, this is for entertainment, which never had any in it. We were the entertainment. That's why we have a lot of kids. And so, anyway, we... That's uh, <laughs> what <so> we did. <laughs> but you know what? We learned generosity then. We learned that we could be generous even on the little bit that we have. And you know what, here's what I think. Here's what I, this is my theory about what helped us get through hard work and all that good stuff. But you know what? There's supernatural involved. When you you are a generous person, God blesses generosity. So I just want to challenge you with that this year, which leads to the next principle, and that's this. Never hesitate when taking your next step with God. Never hesitate when taking your next step with God. Let's go back to the lepers, the homeless guys. Jesus told them, do you remember what he said? He He saw, which we spent this last point talking about. But then he said, go and show yourself to the priest. What's that all about? Well, back in the day, the priest was the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. You know, that's in Atlanta right now. Well, that was the the priest. And what would happen is, if you had a large population and you had a rampant disease that would go through it, you had to quarantine those who uh, were lepers or whatever it happened to be. And if there was, uh, when they were healed, when they were well they would go and show themselves to the priest, which almost never happened with leprosy. Leprosy was a death sentence, okay? But Jesus told him, he said, you go and you show yourself to the priest, all right? So here's a question. When were they healed? When were they healed? Did Jesus pray for them and they were zapped? Did he speak over them and they were healed? That kind of stuff happens. But this is kind of a normative pattern in healing in our lives. Look at this, here's here's the norm. As they went, they were cleansed. When, when When were the lepers, they weren't healed until they took their first step of obedience to Jesus. And as they walked, as they went, they were healed. They were healed, first step. First step. You know, we talk a lot about next steps around here. Next steps with God, next steps in relationships, next steps in connecting to God's family. You know, in, in the whole following God thing, sometimes we make it too complicated. I read a, a, a little book recently, 10 Second Rule, that said, you know what, if you wanna follow God, you wanna obey his prompts, just do the next thing that you're reasonably certain that Jesus wants you to do but do it in the next 10 seconds before you change your mind. (laughs) Is there something in your mind that you are reasonably certain, or maybe it's gonna happen to you tomorrow or throughout the week, you're reasonably certain that God wants you to do? Well, just do it. Take the next step and see if he doesn't show up along the way. Have you ever hesitated in taking a next step and missed an opportunity? One of the saddest scriptures in the Bible is found in Acts chapter 26, and let me set it up like this. The Apostle Paul, Josh talked about Saul, Paul last week in the, in the story of giving you know, your story to God. The Apostle Paul is locked up in a prison on Caesarea. Josh talked about that a little bit. He's getting ready ultimately to go to Rome where he will ultimately lose his life for the gospel. But he gets an opportunity to present his case before King Agrippa. He's the guy with all the marbles. He's the guy that can say yes, no, or whatever. And as Paul presents his case, he preaches the gospel. He shares with him about Jesus Christ and and how he could be saved and how God had changed his life. And here's what Agrippa said. This is why it's so sad. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost, say almost together, Almost. almost. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. You almost, how do you know that almost is almost always not enough? It's a long way from almost to all in, right? Dabo Sweeney quoting him. It's a long way from almost to all in. Almost is almost always not enough. I almost told the truth. Now, that's not good enough. How I many you do agree with that? We almost provide good customer service with our business. <laughs> Swing and a miss. How about this one? Speaking of swinging and misses, I was playing golf with a couple of guys on Friday, hit a shot, and one of the guys said, man, that was almost a good shot. You know what that meant? It was in the water, okay? But it was almost, It's almost a good shot. Have you ever done this? We almost had enough gas to make it over the bridge, okay? <laughs> almost is almost always not enough. But the journey from almost to all in begins with an intentional next step. That's what happened with the, with the, with the lepers, okay? Jesus says, go and show yourself. I, leprosy's still here. Go and show yourself. Take a step. And on the way, they were cleansed. Just one step. Wholeness for you begins by taking an intentional step towards God. And it might not always seem to make sense. Why go to the Center for Disease Control if I'm not healthy yet? Because God will show up along the way. Your next step journey from almost to all in might be committing to follow Christ. That might be the thing that you need to do today. Just make a commitment, I'm going all in. It might be to get baptized or connect with a group or volunteer somewhere. Or it may mean seeing a counselor you know, for your marriage, or for an addiction problem, and, and rather than hesitating, well, that would be embarrassing to me, or whatever it is, take the impulse and go. Take your next step, because healing is on the way. If you're gonna write a hesitation out of your story, never resist a generous impulse. Decide to take your next step with God, and let me give you just one more. Never miss an opportunity to show gratitude. Never miss an opportunity to show gratitude. Would you agree that life is better if you develop an attitude of gratitude? Let's go back to the story, all right? So the lepers report to the priest, the CDC, and they discover that they don't have leprosy anymore. Look what happened. One of them, say one of them together. One of them. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. I'll bet he did. I'll bet he disrupted every church service that he was a part of to tell him what had happened, okay? Loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. There's a whole deal in there, we don't have time. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? That is a good question. That's a question worth pondering. One guy had gratitude, expressed gratitude. It tells me that nine out of 10 times I'm probably gonna miss it when it comes to gratitude. Where were the other nine? Why didn't they come tell Jesus how good it was? I thought about that this week when I saw Jesus' question. You know, probably some of them were truly grateful. They just never got around to expressing it. They got so caught up in the party or everyday life. They just never got around to expressing it. This guy said it this way, feeling gratitude And not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. You ever been to a memorial service, funeral service? Usually two or three people, sometimes more than that, get up and say nice things about whoever's gone. That's awesome, and I love to listen to them, but I often wonder, did you ever tell him or her that? When they were alive, when it would have done some good, when they could have benefited from it and you could have deepened relationship, did you say the things or did you not get around to it? And some of them just never got around to it. Some of those that didn't return, maybe some of the nine felt entitled. You know, For entitled people, it's never enough. You know, I deserve to be healed. I, I, the raise is never enough. The gift is never enough. The action's never enough. Somebody said if you concentrate on what you have, you'll always have more. But if you concentrate on what you don't have, you'll never have enough. I like that. When entitlement moves in, Gratitude leaves, there's no gratitude. Or maybe, some of them were so addicted to complaining that gratitude never had a chance. I don't deserve leprosy. why did this happen to me? Other people are worse than I am, and here I am. Look at all that I had before this happened. They were so ingrained with complaining that gratitude never had a chance. I read an article not long ago that talked about how complaining rewires your brain for negativity, science says. In other words, there's a lot of studies on the brain these days, lots of them. And one of the studies said that complaining does some specific things scientifically to your brain. Um, It rewires your brain. It rewires your brain. The article talks about synopsis or synopsis. Some of you are, you know that, I don't know that stuff, so I'm not gonna try to act like I do. Here's what I got from it is that, you know, there's a sidewalk right out here, outside the church, right out the back where I always come in, and it's one of these T sidewalks, okay? So I walk in this one, and there's a T, you can go this way or that way, and it's like this, and I never walk clear to the end of that thing. I've made me a new path right across here. (laughs) You ever done that? And the more I walk in that path, the more beaten down it gets and the more easier it is. That's what happens in your brain when you complain. It makes a new path, it rewires, it makes a new path where that it is easier to complain and you're more apt to complain. And then there's what else they said. They said you literally become like those that you hang with and you hang with a bunch of complainers. Your brain wants to emulate or it wants to empathize with their complaints and it becomes easier and easier and easier to complain and ultimately negativity increases stress which will kill you. Complaining scientifically is not a good thing for you. So for very first day of the year, we're out running around, we thought, let's go get something to eat with some of our family and there are no restaurants open on the first day of the year, right? There was one, you know, we, there were a few, but we found one of the ones that were open. So, a lot of other people had the same idea we did. And the wait staff, they were overwhelmed. There was just no, they weren't planning on that, so it took a long time, the food wasn't good when it came. And so what did we do? Complain, that's what we do, right? Complain. Now, we didn't complain to the wait staff, because if you do that, they do bad things to your food. You don't wanna do that, okay? I know that, I used to be wait staff. And so I didn't do that, but I saw other people that did. But so, so, so you know, you do things like, how can you mess up a hamburger? How long, how long could it take to cook a hamburger? What are they butchering the, the you know, cows? You know, all that stuff. And here's what I observed during that moment, that, that lapse for us is that the food didn't get any better and the service didn't get any better. But the attitude around our table went in the toilet and the stress level rose. And we began to ruin what was a good day until we finally figured out, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? okay? So, so, so you, you've, gotta, you've gotta learn that... Um, the complaining just just doesn't, just doesn't get it. So, so I want to go back to this. I want to go back to this uh, Jesus. La- last thing he says. So he says to him, who's him? He's the one leper that got it, came back and said, thank you. He said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Can you think with me a little bit about this? When did he get healed? When did the others get healed? Were the others healed? Well, they got healed on the way and there was proof of it with the priests. Is it possible to be healed but not be well? Because this guy, his faith has made him well. Were the others not well but they were healed? Let me put it where we understand it a little bit. You ever been healed in a financial situation? but your thinking and actions were still the way that got you into it, and so you weren't really well, you were just temporarily healed. Have you ever been that way spiritually, where you had a spiritual high, and something was healed and made whole in you, but you didn't change the thought patterns and the thought life, and so ultimately, you were not well, and you went back into some unhealthy patterns. It can work in all areas of our life. And it seems like the key to that is gratitude. The key to well-living is gratitude, gratitude. We're learning that. Tell yourself this year, I'm not gonna miss an opportunity to show gratitude. Every day, I'm gonna train myself. When something good happens, I'm gonna express it. And if somebody was involved in that, I'm gonna tell them. I'm not gonna wait till a funeral sometime to talk about how good they were. I'm gonna tell them, this year it's gonna be different in that way. And you know what? Every day when I experience something that doesn't seem good, I'm gonna find somehow in some way to express gratitude because complaining will kill me. So so we found out that my youngest daughter had cancer on a Friday. It was just before I was gonna preach that weekend and we found out what kind of cancer it was on Saturday, an hour before I was to preach. And so I don't don't tell anybody, I I was processing it myself. The last thing I wanted to do was be here and preach. So I didn't didn't come in for the worship. Because any of you cry during worship? I knew that it would wipe me out and you can't preach after that, so I waited and came right out. It was time for me to preach and I, I got done preaching and I sat down in the front row during response time and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And Some of so you there on that Saturday night thought, our pastor is confessing some serious sin uh, tonight. <laughs> and that's not what it was. It was a father processing what's going on with his daughter. The well, way you have to understand, and, and, and in this process, there are many, many of you ladies who have come up to us and said, you know what, I'm in the process of fighting breast cancer, or I'm a survivor. And I wanna tell you something, you're my heroes now, because I see what a, what, a, what a difficult road it is. And uh, then locked way back in here was the fact that my mother died of the very same thing at 54 years old. And, uh, and so projecting that forward, and we got a good prognosis for Jenny. There are great doctors, and. There's good stuff that can happen, but um, I, I wanna tell you what I wrote in my journal. The day that, the day we found out, I wrote this, I found out Jenny has cancer today. Tomorrow we find out what kind. This was not a good day. Why her, why us, why now? God, we're choosing to trust, but I'm telling you, it's not easy. It's just raw emotions, this is what I felt but I knew instinctively what I'm teaching you today, that you can't live there. Jenny's gonna be healed, okay? She's gonna be healed. Through either the power of God directly or the wonderful doctors and the medicine that's around, she's gonna be healed. But it's real possible she could be healed and we not be well. And gratitude is a key. So the next thing I did is I sat down and I wrote what I was grateful for. That wasn't easy. (laughs) But I began to think about it. I thought, God, I am so grateful for the progress that's been made from the time my mother fought this until my daughter's fighting it. I thank you for every person that's ever walked in a walk that raises money for breast cancer. I thank you for every person that's ever worn a pink ribbon to bring attention to it. I thank you for every researcher that's ever researched on this thing and for all the progress that's been made. You know what, I made a whole, I thank you for my family who's a close family and happen to live all in the same place and can carry a load. I thank you for my small group who's been so good to me. I thank you for a loving church that just overwhelms us. And by the way, if you see Jenny, don't make a big deal of her. Some of you have been there. Don't come hug her and say, oh, I am so sorry. Just say, hey, I'm glad you're here, right? Because it's just kind of weird. It's just, it's just a weird place to be. She's watching right now and doesn't want me to talk about this. That's why I've got a bald head. <laughs> As a father, a father protects and provides, and I can't do any of those in this situation. I feel helpless, not hopeless. So I said, you know what? If she loses her hair, at least I can do shave my head, and we'll go through that together. So that's what that's about. But anyway, what I want to say is, at the end of this thing, she's going to be good, and we're gonna get through it, but I'd hate to come through on the other side and not be truly well. See, it's not happiness that brings us gratitude. It's gratitude that brings us happiness. Would you agree with that? And so what about you? Are you planning to be generous this year? What's your plan? What's your plan? All right, what about next steps? Where are you waiting when you should be walking? Okay. Just respond to Jesus. Do you have a gratitude plan? Or has the habit of complaining taken root inside of you? Let's allow God to write a better story this year. It begins by surrendering our will to his. Would you pray? God, I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you for how you work in our lives. And I pray that your kingdom would come right now, here and in the campuses, wherever we happen to be, online. God, I pray that uh, we would just be sensitive to you during our response time you would speak to us and that we would be faithful to respond to you as a, as a beginning and a down payment this year and how we're gonna respond all year long. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.